Welcome. Together, we're going to explore our personal finances and figure out how to improve them. Whether you're just getting started in life on your finances, or you may already have a home, a car payment, and you're struggling to get credit cards under control. Or you may be getting a late start in life on saving for retirement. ReducedDebtIncreasedWealth.com is a podcast to educate those to improve personal finances, whether it's eliminating debt or making smart investments. Mr. Chuck here. In this episode, I'm going to talk about investing and I'm going to focus on investing for beginners. And investing for dummies, a previous episode, I talked about the basics. What is stock? What's bonds? Different types of investments. What to do in financial advisors. Just the basics. With investing for beginners, I'm going to assume that you got your credit card debt under control. You got emergency fund built up and you're building up some extra cash. And your first investment opportunity should be into a high yield savings account. You can go online and Google that. Just look for high yield savings. They're generally an online bank. They're going to pay a higher rate of interest than in your local bank or where you have your checking account and your current savings account. You want to build up at least four to six months worth of expenses. So if something bad would happen, you would have money to get by on for that period of time. Very basics of investing would be a high-yield savings account. Well, a savings account to start with. Then a high yield savings account. Maybe if you get five or ten thousand dollars, a certificate of deposit, and you should go short term on that because interest rates are so low, the only way they're going to go would be up. So you want to keep it short term for now. Or a money market account where the, your shares are always worth one dollar and they may pay a little bit higher rate of interest. Investing creates money for your future, so it's important for new investors to understand the basics about various types of financial products, including stocks, bonds, certificates of deposits, and mutual funds. And those are the type of things that we talked about in the past episode in Investing for Dummies. What kind of investing is right for me? Well, it's important to determine why you're investing. Your investment goals will dictate what you invest in and how much money you invest and for how long. Factors to consider when investing, your age, your income, your financial goals, your risk tolerance, your time horizon. So if you're going to be investing for retirement and you're 30 years old, you have plenty of times you can assume more risk. Most people invest with retirement in mind. Simply put, retirement is expensive. 
you can easily spend $1 million during 20 years in retirement. According to many financial ex experts, investing now is a smart and simple way to reduce your chances of run out of money after exiting the workforce. And you cannot rely on Social Security to get you through retirement. It's, it's not intended to replace 100% of your income. It's only intended to replace 50% of your income. If you're used to making 200000 a year and you got to get by on 100000 a year, can you do that? That's why you invest. There's other reasons to invest too. And a smart and simple way is to make more money. You can invest on a shorter term for your children's college education, for starting a business, or for buying a home. And the financial market offers various investment vehicles, including stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, which each offers unique benefits and risk. With that said, we talked about mutual funds, and that's the way I go. A mutual fund is a fund that invests in a whole bunch of stocks in that industry group, such as retail. If you want to buy Sears, for example, you, if you buy the common stock of Sears, you only buy in one retailer. If you buy in a mutual fund, they're going to be buying stocks in all the different retailers. Walmart, Sears, Target, Kohl's. I can't think of any other ones. But they may across the board a retail investment. Being a smart investor is meaning have a good grasp on your own risk tolerance. Certain financial products, such as stocks, are riskier than others, such as bonds. That's because there's no guarantee of profit when you buy stock. If a stock company performs poorly or falls out of favor with investors, its stock can drop and you can lose money. Other investments, such as government bonds and certificates of deposits, are considered safe because they are often federally insured. However, returns from these investments are much lower as compared with stock. Thus, the key principle investing is striking a right balance between risk and reward. A balanced, diversified portfolio should include a mix of both low-risk and higher-risk investments. Timing is everything. Patience is key for new investors. Long-term investments are more likely to yield higher gains. That's because your investments need time to grow. They also need time to adjust for the ups and downs of the market. On any day, stocks can plunge. Sometimes the economy takes a downturn for months or years. If you sell stocks when the market dips, you stand to lose a substantial portion part of your investment. Over time, investors who adopt a set-it-and-forget-it mindset are more likely to come out ahead of those who give in to the fear caused by market fluctuation. Think of this. The market is up and down, up and down. It's like if you just take your finger and go up five inches, come down five inches, then go down another ten inches, and go back up ten inches, then up another ten, 
up, down, up, down, highs, lows, highs, lows. But over time, if you would plot that out on a graph, it would be a steady rise over 20 years. And that steady rise would be around 7 to 8% a year. Now, there's going to be some years where you don't have any increase of 6 or 7 8%. There's going to be some years where it's going to be 20%. And, but over time, if you average that out, it's going to be somewhere around 8% movement of the markets. Investing early gives you an advantage. Compound is another reason to leave your investments alone. Compounding interest occurs when you start earning money on the money your investments have already earned. It's essentially a snowball effect. So what they're saying is, you bought an investment, it paid your dividend or interest, you put that dividend or interest back into that investment. A year later, it pays your dividend interest again. So you're getting interest or dividends on the interest or dividends that you already earned. So that's why they call it the snowball effect. The earlier in life you start doing this, the more your earnings are going to increase. The more your portfolio is going to increase. A portfolio is the makeup of all your investments of what you have. So the sooner the better. As you approach retirement, however, you should take fewer risks because it could jeopardize your nest eggs. So this is the age factor. When you're young, you invest in things that are more risky. As you age, you are starting to shift your investments to a more moderate than a more conservative. So the less risk you're taking, when the time comes, you need that money. You don't want to have it in an instrument that's extremely risky in case the market drops. And the market could stay down for six months. And then what are you going to do? The concept is simple. Subtract your age from 120. The resulting number is the percent of your money you should place in stock. The rest goes into bonds. That's the 120 rule. For example, a 30-year-old would invest 90% in stock and 10% in bonds. A 50-year-old would, on the other hand, should have 70% in stocks and 30% in bonds. It's important to note that these investments do not include your emergency savings account. Financial planners suggest allocating 3 to 12 months of take-home pay to savings for emergency, such as job loss. And if you're retired, you need to have at least 6 months of money and a savings account so if the market drops on you, you don't have to sell investments to live on. How much money do I need to start investments? Well, that is a good question. If you're looking to have help with your investments from a financial advisor, you might need at least $1,000 or $5,000. But if you have a 401k through work, or if you set up a retirement on your own, you may already have enough money to get a financial 
advisor or planner interested in taking you on as a client because they could look at that 401k that you have at work, even though you're limited on options of what you can invest in, they can help you decide which of those investments may be a right fit for you and your goals. Many, but not all, financial products have a minimum deposit requirements. You may need less money than you realize to start investment. While contributing to an employer-sponsored 401k plan is a great way to start investing, other options exist if you're a beginner or tight on cash. Robo-advisors, such as the Betterment and Elvis, offer zero account minimums. Likewise, investment apps such as Acorn requires $5 or less to begin investing. I never use those those two, Betterment and Elvis, and I never used Acorn. I do use a robo-advisor on my own because you can download the app, five bucks, you start it and go in. There's many of them out there, so you want to look and see which one's better for you. I think I talked about that in an earlier episode on robo-advisors. If you go to a stockbroker, I just want to give you some fair warning, such as Swab, Merrill Lynch, and other brokers. But Swab is the Charles Swab. They're going to charge you a fee, and they're going to have a minimum amount, and it may be more than what you have. Then every time you buy or sell an investment, they're going to charge you a commission. So you want to beware of that. If you use a financial advisor, they generally get you with a broker through them and you're not paying the fees. You're just paying your financial advisor a percentage of the value of your portfolio. And I've talked about that in the past also. What if I have lots of cash but no investment experience? Just because you're new to investment doesn't mean you're tight on money. Maybe you're a lucky recipient of an unexpected inheritance or your small startup finally made it big. Maybe you hit a casino jackpot or just won the lottery. Investing is crucial for maintaining wealth as it is for growing wealth. Lots of cash sitting in your bank account loses value over time due to inflation and a concept called the time value of money. Smart investors can help you lessen your tax burden, earmark money for your heirs, and safeguard yourself against economic uncertainty. Experts strongly suggest consulting an accountant or financial advisor if you recently receive a large windfall but have little or no investment knowledge. A good planner can help you explore your options and discover the right solution for you and your family. I'm going to say an accountant only for tax advice. For investment advice, you should go to a financial advisor, a financial planner. That's one and the same thing because they specialize in investing money for their clients in the market 
based on your risk tolerance, based on what you have, based on your age, based on your goals, everything that we stated above. Mutual index and exchange traded funds. Instead of buying individual stocks and bonds, a mutual fund allows you to purchase small pieces of many different assets in a single transaction. These investments, vehicles, pool your money and other investors' money. Mutual funds are typically overseen by a portfolio manager. Index funds and exchange-traded funds, or ETF, are certain types of mutual funds. When you buy an index fund or ETF, you're essentially purchasing a share of the future profits of all major corporations. That's because these funds track an index such as the S&P 500. So if you buy an S&P 500 index fund, you effectively purchase small pieces of ownership in 500 of the largest U.S. companies. Mutual funds are considered good investments for beginners because they professionally manage. It saves time. And because mutual funds and index funds are diverse in nature, they are generally less risky than individual stocks. And that's what I do. Even investment billionaire Warren Buffett has repeatedly touted low-cost index fund investing as the thing that makes the most sense practicability all of the time. The risk of investing in mutual fund is determined by the underlining performance of the stock bonds and other investments held within the fund. No mutual fund can guarantee its return and no mutual fund is risk-free. Remember, Warren Buffett is a long-term investor. He's just using bigger bigger dollar amounts, bigger numbers. And he's buying stock and proven established companies. And that's what he's always done. Now, just recently, he's gone a little astray from that. I'm sure he has a reason. Bonds and CDs, bonds, certificate of deposits, or CDs, are considered safe investments. Both offer only modest returns, but carry little or no risk of principal loss. If you have a good financial advisor or financial planner, and you have a very low risk tolerance, or say you're 59 years old, and you're going to retire when you're 62, and you came into $3 million of inheritance. He, the financial planner, should be investing that in a way to preserve your capital. It may not have a big yield. It may not have any big gains. You have, you should be beating inflation of 2 or 3%, but the money is still there, and you're less worry of losing that preserving your capital. There are three main bond types, corporate, municipal, U.S. treasuries. Right now, none of them are paying a very high rate of interest. I, He can do it, you know, 10%, a small amount. I'm not too excited about that. I don't follow it. I don't buy individual stocks, and because if you buy individual stocks, you're buying into one company. That's why I 
always lean towards a mutual fund because it's many companies in the same type of industry, large cap, small cap grouping, however they are dividing up the market. Stocks and tax. Some taxes do only when you sell investments. Stocks, for example, at a profit. Other taxes are due when your investments pay your distribution, also known as a dividend. Investment tax is complex, but understanding the basics can get you started. So when if you buy stocks or mutual fund and it pays you a dividend, those dividends are taxable, even if you reinvest the dividends 100%. You need to have a substantial amount of money invested before you get a lot of dividends that's going to really affect your tax return. That's where if you have somebody do your tax return, they can explain that to you. Capital gains tax, you don't pay tax when your price stocks go up. Taxes are only owed when you sell the investments for a profit. This applies not only to stocks, but to other investments too including profits from the sale of bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs. So let's say you bought a mutual fund five years ago, and you only put $1,000 in there, and you hadn't added anything, but you reinvested all the dividends. Today, five years later, it's worth $5,000. As long as you don't sell it, you don't. your gain would be the value of it, what you sell it for, $5,000, less what you paid for it, $1,000. So you'd have a gain of $4,000. That gain is not realized, so that would be considered an unrealized gain until which time you sell the stock, the mutual fund. If you sell the mutual fund today, you're going to have a realized gain of $4,000 because you're going to end up with $5,000 in your pocket. So there's unrealized gain and there's realized gains. And that's terminology for taxes. You're not going to pay any taxes on any unrealized gain. Capital losses. A capital loss is when you sell an investment for less than what you paid for it. Beneficial for tax purpose because capital losses can be used to reduce your capital gains tax. In other words, if you sell one stock at a $3,000 profit, but sell another stock at a $2,000 loss, you'd only be taxed on a $1,000 difference. And that $1,000 is not going to be taxed at your ordinary income. It's going to be taxed at 25% where your dividend taxes, money you received from dividends, is going to be taxed as ordinary income and whatever rate your tax bracket is at that point. Annuities. In times of market uncertainty, more people are turning to annuities for added security in a retirement planning portfolio. Annuities technically aren't investment products. They're a type of policy issued by an insurance company that's designed to grow your money for retirement. Annuities are highly customizable 
Common types of annuities include fixed annuities, which provides a stable payout or a variable annuities, which fluctuate based on market changes. It's an insurance product. Remember that if you buy an annuity, there's penalties if you want to get out of it too early. You generally have to put money in there years ahead and let it grow. I'm not a big fan of annuities. That's all I have to say. Micro-investment apps. Micro-investment apps. They're apps where you can invest money in small amounts, which are kind of like a robo-investor. Same thing. We can start with small amounts of money and make a, uh, say, make a deposit every pay period of five bucks or ten dollars. So it's a way to get started and start getting money into the market. And you'd be surprised how fast, you know, five or ten dollars a pay will grow. And before you know it, you'll have two, three, five thousand, ten thousand dollars in there. So it's a good way to get started. You can always sell them all transfer it, have a a financial advisor help you once you get, say, 50000 or more money. You're probably wondering, because I hadn't told you yet in all the episodes I've done, what to invest in. I told you different types of investments, such as mutual funds, stocks, bonds, electronic traded funds, EFTs, etc., but I didn't give you anything about what to invest in. Well, that's going to be up to you as the individual investor. You need to figure out based on your age, your income, length of time, and your goals, what and how your investments should be made. If you use a robo-investor, they're going to have an education-based section within the app. So you can read, study, and learn on how to make investments, what investments to make, everything that you need to know to be successful. That's what I like about the robo-investor. They do have fees. They're not that high. You can start with a small dollar amount. They give you a lot of information that you can learn over time and you can start making small investments. You're buying fractions of a share. And if you get too heavy in one thing, they usually give you warnings or tips of advice and to guide you a little bit so you don't make a major blunder mistake in your investments. You need to call around to different financial advisors. Some are willing to work with startup investors. Other ones are not. You would need a minimum of, say, $50,000 to get started with some of these advisors. Not all of them, but some of them. The article I use for this episode is from annuity.org, Financial Literacy Investing for Beginners. You can get a link for that article in my show notes if you go to reducedebtincreasedwealth.com. That's the end of another episode. I hope you found it useful. And if you'd like to share this episode with your friends, please do so. I'm open for any suggestions for improvement or for information that you would like to talk about in future episodes. You can go to my Facebook page and leave me a message. 
I am more than glad to respond. To find my Facebook page, go to ReducedDebtIncreasedWealth.com and click on the Facebook icon.